0: This is my life. I'm done trying to convince people I'm real. Sleep. Never retreat. Welcome to the Road to the Olympic Trials podcast where we take an inside look into the training and racing of some of America's best marathoners as they prepare for the Olympic Trials in Atlanta in February. I'm your host Matt Chatham and in this episode we catch up with Stephanie Flippin who recently ran the Indianapolis Monumental Marathon. For her this was her big chance to gain her OTQ and her ticket to Atlanta. As you may have as you may remember, sorry about that. From our preview episode she was raring to go. She was really excited. She was as fit as she'd ever been in her life. We talked to her. We talked to her coach, Heather McCurdy. Heather reiterated that point in her section, and she was amped for that race. Unfortunately for Steph, things did not go her way. It was a tough day out there for all runners because of the weather conditions, and especially for Steph. In this episode, she dives into all of that, and I think what you'll get out of this episode while... Well, it's a uh, kind of a downer, right? To say like, Oh, here's something you trained so hard for that you were ready for completely prepared to do and it didn't go your way. At first, that sounds like a topic that, you know, Oh man, what, a, you know, that stinks. I feel so bad. So on and so forth. But just listening to Steph and talking to her in this episode. I was uplifted. This woman really um, just has such a wonderful perspective on all things while still being very competitive. I'm just just in awe of how, she be able, how she's able to put all of these things in her life in the proper perspective while striving so hard to achieve her goals. So with that said, here is my conversation with Dr. Stephanie Flippin. Hey, Steph, thanks for coming back on the show. Hey Matt, thanks so much for having me. My pleasure. All right. So you were just at the Indianapolis Monumental Marathon, which I'll tell you what, man, I know we we touched on this during the preview, but it seemed like just an absolute like loaded marathons here. I'm sure it has like, you know, has a long history and it's always been good. I feel like this year, more than other years, it just had such a large group of people there. What was it like for you just being in and around the area? Did you bump into people who either you knew or that had listened to the show or follow you on IG or what was the scene like once you got into town?
1: Yeah. You know, honestly, this is my first time ever, um, running, um, Indie Monumental, um, yeah, and it reminded me honestly a lot of CIM last year. Um, you know, the <laughs> the area was packed. Um, I actually didn't get to go to. I well, I, I opted not to go um, to the expo. Um, but just being around, you know, for the shakeout, uh, all the shakeouts that were happening on Friday, the day before. Um, you know, there there were so many people out, um, and then going to the the tech meeting. Um, the night before. I mean, it was it was pretty crazy to see um just how many like strong and fast runners um were in that elite field. Um, and it was it was exciting to see, um, for sure.
0: So what was your travel like getting into town that week? I know we we've touched on this on so many of these episodes, and if this is someone's first, you know, you have, you know, you're you're a surgeon, you're a doctor, you um, you know, a thriving practice, you got a lot of stuff going on. Your husband is a dedicated ultra marathon I can't wait to get him on the show at some point. Um, so what, what, what was your week? Like just as in terms of lead up?
1: Yeah. Um, I can't, I, I'm pretty sure, um, my husband Mitchell and I, um, we worked up until the day before we, we flew out to Indy. Um, it wasn't too crazy of a week. Um, you know, we kind of planned for it um, just cause it was a goal race for me. Um, so we didn't want to load up too much with work. Um, but we ended up flying out, um, uh, it was thursday morning um so the race was on saturday so we threw, we flew out thursday morning um from denver um and we got into indianapolis uh like late afternoon uh things weren't too rushed or anything like that and um we just relaxed that evening um didn't do too much so that was nice
0: now indy ended up being colder than a lot of people expected. What, would what did you kind of prepare from a race kit perspective and then alternatives and just, just what, what was the planning like for race day before you left, left for the race?
1: Yeah. So, you know, living up in the mountains here in Colorado, um, I'm, you know, I, I definitely felt like I'm used to running in the cold. Um, you know, a few of my key long runs and workouts that I got in were definitely in like the high probably high thirties is the coldest it got. Um, So I felt like I'd had decent exposure to colder weather um, coming off, you know, like some warm summer training uh, compared to some of like my teammates or some of the other um, women and men um, in the field that were going for, you know, a performance goal that maybe live, you know, out by you or, you know, in the South, um, you know, that really dealt with a warm, humid summer. Um, so I felt, you know, going into it, I, I wasn't too worried about the temperature to be honest. Um, however, I, I made a key mistake there. Um, it's, I used to live in the Midwest, um, and I just really underestimated, um, you know, when it's cold and you have, you know, there it's, it's not dry like it is here, you know, where we live in Colorado. Um, you know, so the air is moist. Um, and I, I, I just underestimated it, um you know the day of the race it never it never got over 20 degrees outside um and, and classically I, I love running in the cold but below freezing um you know with a lot of winds um it's it, it was tough to handle um, at least for me personally um you know i i went back and forth on what to wear um i i really dislike racing in tights i i don't think i've raced in tights in probably like 7 years or something like that um You know, and I just I I made some key mistakes in terms of wardrobe there. Um, I just underestimated the weather. Um, But, you know, it's a learning experience, right?
0: So was the weather um, in line with what the forecast was or was it a surprise?
1: Um, No, it, it was. I mean, it was pretty much in line with what the forecast was saying. It's just that I think we were all, you know, I don't want to speak for everyone else, but I think a lot of us just underestimated that wind Um, because for the first for the first half of the race, you know, I I was running with um, one of my teammates, Kristen, and we must have been about 10 K in. And we were both dressed similarly, um, you know, and we were kind of just mentioning to each other that we felt good with what we had chosen to wear. Um, Maybe even like we were sweating, um, you know, we, we felt warm, which is a good thing. However, um, you know, and I, I saw a lot of women, um, you know, had on Instagram had posted about kind of like that critical point when we made a turn. Um, you know, I don't know the course well enough to really, um, give you in-depth details, but, um, we did make a a turn and, you know, whatever mile that was at, I want to say it was around mile 16. Um, just looking at my splits, (laughs) um, when I really started to slow down, but, um, we changed directions and, I knew instantly, you know, like a critical mistake I had made. And, um, you know, I was telling Heather this yesterday, actually, that I just know better because I, I have ran so many races and Mitchell, my husband has always got on me, um, that if it's cold out, but you, you know, and you're dressed a certain way and you start sweating, um, but you're not prepared like with layers. Um, and you know, and then once the if it's a windy day outside and it's cold, but you've been sweating, and then once that wind hits you, the sweat on your body is just gonna it's just so detrimental, it just brings your core temperature down immediately because you're all of that sweat is now like making you clammy almost um so yeah, <laughs> um but yeah, I mean, the forecast was in line, but it, I think. Me personally, I just underestimated it.
0: And it's funny because it almost is, it's almost as if where you live and the training and other races you've done, you would think would like prepared you perfectly for this. But on some level, it like did the opposite because you had this feeling of like, I've done this (laughs) so many times before, like, this is going to be no problem.
1: Yeah. 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 And definitely, like, I, I even, you know, I ran one of my longest, you know, key long runs on, you know, a, a day here in Colorado where, you know, wind was 20 miles per hour, you know, with gusts. But with that being said, too, it, it's dry here and it, it wasn't 20 degrees. It wasn't below freezing, Um, you know, and I, and I just I just totally underestimated that. So.
0: Right. No, exactly. And then I know a lot of people struggled with this. And this is also one of those things, too, where it's so subjective in terms of people's experience in this kind of weather. Like you will have and the the classic example of this is 2018 Boston, where you had athletes of similar fitness, you know, wearing relatively similar gear have very different reactions to the cold. And it's not as if like, oh, this person was from Florida. This person was from Rochester, New York. Like we can easily identify what, what the difference is here. Like even where people came from didn't necessarily matter. And it becomes this like odd guessing game of like, okay, what are the key differentiators here and what can be learned from it?
1: Yeah, Absolutely.
0: All right. So let's talk about the race, because I love I love in your recap. I read your recap a bunch of times um, and it was equally incisive and, you know, in humorous in parts, too. Um, you know, you're it's, I mean, you're such an intelligent person. So reading anything you write is a joy. But but I loved the the pre-race sprint to the starting line. Take us back to this, because, again, talking about like crazy things that can happen in a race. Like, I think this is a fear of anybody who like isn't a porta potty line.
1: Yeah, so the th- the frustrating part was that like it actually wasn't a porta potty, so we you know we had a designated area that was indoors. Um, you know, it was just a short little jog to the the start line, but um, you know, I they said they were going to have like security and things like that, but um, you know, my friend and I went out on just like a quick ten minute, very slow jog, uh, came back in and. There was this enormous line like to the indoor bathroom. Um, The the building was like the Indiana Government Center. Um, And I could tell that there were, um, you know, recreational runners in line. Um, You know, and I never want to be that person that's like, hey, I need to go to the bathroom before you. Um, But, you know, it was getting really hectic. Um, You know, our McCurdy teammates were all, we were all kind of spread apart um, and dispersed. Um, And, you know, I think... honestly, the, the, the race did an incredible job, you know, with hospitality, you know, bottles, everything like that. But I think like you had mentioned at the beginning, um, of our conversation tonight, um, you know, there's just so many more people and especially so many elite runners, um, and sub elite runners lining up, you know, with the, you know, Olympic trials window, uh, closing in on us. Um, it just, I think the race itself was just a a lot more hectic, um, at that elite wave, um, uh start line than anyone really anticipated um everything just it it wasn't really how i imagined it going um and it was just kind of a whirlwind uh, like i had said in my recap so
0: yeah so 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 not only was it crowded but then even like forget about the warm-up you did you didn't even need a warm-up because you were like literally doing a sprint to the start line
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were, Kristen and I were like, I was just following her. She ran, she ran Indianapolis um, last year. So I was just following her. I had no idea where I was going. We, you know, we sprinted across the grass and then, you know, we saw the wheelchair um, division at the, at the start line, but then like, we just, we were struggling to find the other, um, you know, our other teammates, the other women going for the, the standard. Um I really the only sign I saw was like the 125 half pacer um was holding that up you know and then I saw a few of my friends um like Laura Pierce um and a couple other women um that were lining up for the half and so I I thought I I just assumed I would be able to find Heather in there too because she was running the half um it, it just and then before we knew it you know we heard this whistle and then everyone was running And I didn't realize it at the time, but yeah, it was, it was just nuts. Um, you know, and then Kristen's like, okay, we're going, I'm like, okay. Um, but I didn't realize, um, until actually I finished the race. Um, Mitchell told me he was like, yeah, he was like, I didn't, he was like, I was talking to your parents. I didn't know what was going on because, you know, you, you crossed, you know, the starting mat, like, you know, I guess my tracker had said I crossed like 47 seconds after the gun time. Um, it ended up being like 20 seconds or around there, but, um, yeah, I didn't even realize it took me 20 seconds to cross the, the starting mat. Um, and for those who think like, oh, well, it's chip time. Like it doesn't really matter when you cross. Well, unfortunately, like if you're going for, you know, the Olympic trials, um, qualifying standard, it is based on gun time. And not just that it's, if you are in the elite field, um, and your gun time and your chip time are that much off. Um, you know, y- you're not really going to be able to get in even with a petition. Um, and that's something that Heather um, alerted me of as well. So that's pretty much, you know, I mean, granted, I didn't get it in indie. Uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but but if you know, if if I had like that, it would have been 20 seconds wasted, um, you know, and it would have been a 20 second difference comparing like gun time and chip time. So that still would have been like a major issue.
0: Right, right. It's funny when I read it the front, I read <laughs> your recap. What it reminded me of, and I don't know if you're a fan of this show, it's going kind to of have an older show, but it's like a Netflix staple, is the show The West Wing. Yeah. Where, like, before one of the. Uh, before one of the debates, President Barlow is like bemoaning the fact that he doesn't have this like, you know, it's not exciting, like the like the last debate. And he was like kind of bemoaning like the ho-hum nature of it. So then his wife comes up and like literally takes a pair of scissors and cuts his tie in half like 60 seconds before the start of the debate. So he's like rushing around. He grabs a tie off one of his aides. He throws it on. And it's like this whole whirlwind. And then he goes out on stage and, you know, it has like that exact feel he was hoping for. It reminded me of that scene. Like you literally doing yeah. the, like the race version of that.
1: I mean, yeah, it really was. Um, I mean, in hindsight, it's like it's all a learning experience. You know, I mean, I, I learned so much like in that those few hours, um, you know, and that just that day um, that I'm I'm certainly not like, you know, super upset about it or anything, because looking back on it, it's like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> like, uh, like my expectations were so like different from what actually happened. Um, I can laugh about it for sure.
0: But it wasn't different the entire time, so let's 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 kind of like let's let's talk about the first you know half to fifteen miles. We can kind of scoot through it a little bit because it seemed to for the most part go pretty much according to plan um I think what you 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 missed one gel or something like that, but for the most part, it seemed like things were going pretty well up until that point,
1: yeah, yeah, so um. Yeah, I felt really good, you know, going through 10K. Um, you know, I think I saw James out on the course, um, maybe around 5K or so, um, you know, felt great. Kristen and I were, you know, stride for stride. Um, it it was I was having difficulty with my GPS. Um, uh, my splits, I wasn't uh, manual lapping. Um, pace off mile markers. Um, and I quickly realized that, like, my pace on my watch was just jumping everywhere. Um, so I was kind of having to do like calculations in terms of okay, how far off is my GPS? Um and so I mean, we were right on pace. Um we you know, we went through the half, um, you know, right around 123. So we were a little slow going through the half. Um I, I was anticipating and supposed to be going through around like 12230 or so. Um, but I mean we I wasn't really stressed out about it just because um, you know, A, I was unsure if my watch was um, you know, accurate. And I was seeing how different it was um compared to like the, the actual clock on course. Um, so I was a little bit confused, but I was like, okay, it's not like we're crazy off, you know. Um, but so we went through the half um and I I, I felt good. Um and the whole plan with um, that Heather and I had talked about um, was that as long as I felt OK and I was still like able to hit pace through mile 15, um, she wanted me to finish. Um, and she, she had said if, you know, if it was a real, real struggle and I felt like I was really overreaching prior to mile 15, then to just drop, uh, you know, to save for another option or something like that. Um it was really around um, mile 16, like I mentioned before, whenever we switched directions and the winds really started to pick up. Um, part of it, I think, was because, I mean, the the main issue was I had been sweating, I wasn't dressed appropriately, and I got really cold. But another part of it, I think, that made it even more um, challenging was just that we, Kristen and I weren't really in like the pack that we had anticipated being in. Um, and I think that happened actually to a lot of, uh, people on course, a lot of women too, uh, just cause we, we somehow just, everyone kind of started at like bizarre times. Like it, it, wasn't like we all lined up together in one pack and then went, we were all spread out for various reasons. Um, so it, it was tough because we didn't, or I at that point didn't really have anyone to kind of help, you know, work with, or, you know, take turns, like, um, blocking the wind and things like that um so for me it just started to feel way too hard way too early on um and i think looking at my splits I was able to kind of hold on um and then i just i got so cold i i struggled getting any sort of nutrition in um and by mile 20 i was just tanked um i hit the wall um you know and i, I that was one hundred percent, because I wasn't able to get in, and um, I wasn't able to follow my my nutrition plan.
0: I want to take a quick break to talk about our sponsor, Inside Tracker. Listen, when it comes to diet and nutrition, it seems like there are a million voices in the wilderness, all just screaming out. It's hard to understand what to think about nearly any kind of food. And that's why personalized nutrition can be so helpful and valuable. And the key to doing that is getting your blood work done, seeing where you are on a biomarker scale, and you can optimize exactly what your body needs. And that's exactly what Inside Tracker does. They track up to 43 different biomarkers. They've optimized zones specifically designed for you. And also, they have science backed recommendations for different ways where you can improve different markers and your levels. So give inside tracker a try. It's such a valuable resource. Listen, all the top athletes in the world, they get their blood work done and they have professionals taking a look at it to make sure that they're on the right path. Shouldn't you be able to do the same thing? So use code rambling runner to save 10% on inside tracker today. So let's talk about that. What what, what was what about the cold? Because I, I haven't talked to someone about about this specific topic before. What about the cold weather impacted nutrition specifically?
1: Sure. Yeah. So the biggest thing um, was that uh, so I was, so I'll back up a little bit here. So we were we were given bottles at 10K, uh, 20K and 30K. 10k totally fine getting like all the and I was drinking uh Morton uh 320 mix uh, for anyone wondering. Um And
0: kudos to Mitchell for helping you <laughs> yes. decorate those suckers. You're giving him some some IG love on his uh on his yeah. decorative decorative uh stylings.
1: Yeah, his um neon um pipe cleaners and duct tape uh decorations. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I, the 10 K bottle went down just fine. Uh, when we picked up, when I picked up my 20 K bottle though, um, it was the bottle itself. Um, it was like, I don't want to say it was frozen, but it wasn't, it wasn't easy to squeeze, (laughs) uh, for a lack of better terminology. Um, so, and at that point, like I felt like my face, like my cheeks were also getting kind of numb. Um, so it just kind of complicated things like getting in the the drink like easily, quickly, and then toss it like it, it wasn't happening that efficiently. Uh, it was more kind of a struggle um, to get things down. Um, and I, you know, I elected to not take a gel, you know, at mile nine, cause I, I was just, i was kind of stressed out to be honest. Um, that was a, a mistake on my part. Um, but yeah, after, you know, after the half, um and by the time i got to my 30k bottle that i mean it it felt completely frozen um and i i remember thinking like should i just unscrew the top and then just try to like dump it in um it it was just a struggle like to get anything down and i felt like i mean i don't my my hands were cold my face was cold um and at that point i was just feeling so tired um you know i I was having a hard time keeping my eyes open. I remember I told one of my friends um, on the course that, and she was like, are you serious? <laughs> She's like, you need to stop at like a med tent then. Um, but I, at that point when I realized, okay, I'm, I'm just too cold. Like I laying down sounds wonderful right now. And that's a clear cut sign of hypothermia. Um, at that point, I was able to pull out a gel and then kind of suck on it and get some nutrition down. Um, not nearly enough to make up the deficit, um, at, in any way. Um, but I mean, I was cold, but I, I, I knew in my mind, like I was kind of able to manage the situation. It wasn't, you know, I, I don't want to like exaggerate or anything. I wasn't like going to keel over and not be able to get up because I was so cold. Um, I, I felt like I, I still had definitely had my wits about me and everything like that. Um, but things just kind of added on each other, you know, it was like, I got cold early on. Um, I mean, by early on, I mean, like, through the half, um, and then it just things just kept getting harder and harder and harder to troubleshoot, honestly.
0: Now, did this experience remind you of any of the ultras you've done in the past?
1: Um. Yeah, definitely. Um, particularly, um, I mean, I don't think I've ever really struggled with I think this is the first time I've really struggled with hypothermia, um, like that specific regard. But in terms of feeling like, oh my gosh, I have this goal and it's, I can literally see it slipping away from me. Yet at the same time, you know, I don't have, you know, an injury that you know would have would have been the mature and smart decision to drop out of the race from, you know, keeping the long term, um, you know, in sight. I, I didn't have anything like that, so it was like, okay, well. It's not that bad, you know, but I'm still aware of my goals slipping away. So what are we going to do? And in that regard, I do. I I definitely can think back to probably like my first hundred miler that I did, um, you know, and (laughs) poor Mitchell. Like I remember sitting down. I don't even, we were probably at mile 60 or something like that. We were coming up this huge climb. It was the middle of the night. It it was really cold. Um, We were out on the north rim um, of the Grand Canyon. And I just had to sit down. Like, I was so frustrated. Um, I, you know, I felt like crying. And I think I did cry. Um, And Mitchell sat with me and we we must have sat there for probably 15 minutes. um, And he just kind of let me have this kind of pity party <laughs> about how difficult it was. Um, and it's not that I did that in indie, but I could definitely feel myself kind of like, okay, you have a couple, you know, you always have a choice, you know, how you can approach the situation. And it's not really just about like, okay, do I keep going or do I drop? You also have a choice in terms of like, okay, how am I going to manage, you know, my attitude moving forward through this? Am I going to let this just totally ruin my day or my year Um, or, you know, am I going to pull all the positives that I have left out of this, you know, and whether that be clawing my way, you know, to the finish or not. Um, I definitely had that moment with myself, um, especially at like mile 20 when I was jogging (laughs) and I, you know, ran my recovery pace for the last 10 K. Um, you know, half of it felt demoralizing, but the other half of me was like, you know, you should be really proud for pushing through because you didn't have to, you know, we always have a choice. Um, and so, yeah, I definitely did draw upon um, previous, you know, race experiences and and things like ultras where you're out there for hours and hours and hours with tons of different temperature swings and weather changes. Um, yeah. And like I said, it's it was a great day to learn. Um, just like every day is whether, you know, whether it's um, a success or not. So and
0: it's one thing. To you know, take that approach when you're you know thinking about a hypothetical situation or saying, "Okay, like, hey, this is how I would like to approach things." It's a completely different thing to do it in real time, especially when you're suffering mentally, physically, and emotionally to some degree, and in some ways to a large degree. So, why do you think you chose the positive path there as opposed to the negative path?
1: That's a really good question, Matt. <laughs> um, you know, I. I think it's because I I have a lot of goals in my life, you know, and I'm I'm not a professional runner. Um it's not my career. Um and I kind of just started to think about, it. I'm like, okay, like, you know, running a 245, you know, a sub two forty five marathon is a goal, but it's not the goal. It's not like something I've been dreaming about since I was a little kid or anything like that. Um I still saw this opportunity in front of me, like I can Even though you know I'm not really able to really show my stripes or you know really get the best out of the the fitness that I built up, you know, and and demonstrated to myself um, throughout this training cycle, I can still get the best out of myself today, given the conditions, Um, and that's always something to be proud of. Um, And I just I don't know I just I felt really grateful out there to be healthy, Um, you know, no injuries whatsoever. And kind of just grateful to have to simply have that choice. You know, a lot of times, like, people don't have that choice. Like, okay, you know, they don't have the choice. Like, okay, can I choose to take the positives out of this situation? Or, you know, should I just kind of throw my hands up and give up? That's not always a choice that we have. um, Given, you know, certain circumstances and things. Um, And I kind of just thought about all the you know, all the times in my life where I would have given anything to run, you know, the race time that I did, or even just complete a race. Um, And I don't know, that just kind of helps pull me through and keep me plodding along (laughs) um, for that last 10K.
0: Now, do you, in those instances, you know, you know, this one specifically, or just, you know, from a, from a habit perspective, do you try to kind of engage with the full feeling um, that you're experiencing as a way of like, all right, I'm gonna you know pull myself through this by really kind of like taking the bull by the horns, or do you try to go meta a little bit and try to dissociate you know your mind from you know your what you're feeling, both mentally, physically, and emotionally. I shouldn't say both and all in all of those three ways um, as a way of not only keeping a positive mindset and perspective, but also try to minimize its effects on. I'm kind of like on your, I don't want to get too woo woo, even though I can, if I need to, <laughs> you know, how, how it's affecting your soul in a way.
1: Right. No, I know what you mean. Um, I definitely feel like, I, I don't know. I feel like I, I can go back and forth between those two. Um, just depending on, I don't know, I guess the point in the race, um, you know, how far along I am. I definitely sometimes will not like yell at myself, but I'm like, come on, like, you can do this, like, one foot in front of the other, like, you come this far, and you didn't come this far to only come this far. Um, but to a certain degree, I, I do also feel like I dissociate at, at some points, just because I'm like, okay, you need to think elsewhere. Uh, and there's power in that there's power in thinking about everything that you have in your life. Um, you know, and that was a big thing for me, I felt like, um, during the end of the race and and also too, I don't want to like over you know dramatize it by any means um because it was an awesome day for many people. It's not like you know this was just a, a terrible day for everyone but um yeah i mean i I found myself thinking like you need to focus on like every single thing that you have in your life and not you know this one goal that seems lost and is, you know, kind of out the door today. Um, you know, kind of zoom out and really just appreciate how far you've come. Um, you know, and I the day was disappointing. I, I I definitely won't sugarcoat that um at all. But with that being said, I I just certainly wasn't disappointed in myself. Um and I think for anyone that has, you know, days like that, a race like that, a workout like that, um you know, if you're giving the best that you can, you know, given the conditions and you've, you know, asked yourself over and over, is this the best that I can do? You know, at this point in time, like you have nothing to be ashamed about or, or disappointed in. Um, so I hope for anyone else that may have had a race like that, whether it was at Indy or somewhere else, um, can can see that, too.
0: Well, that's such a mature way to approach this, because. You know I don't want to speak for other people, so I'll just speak for myself, is that oftentimes, far more often than you know than I'm proud to admit, I basically take the transitive property to that equation you just mentioned of, if it's a disappointing day, then I am inherently a disappointment. Yeah, and at, right. you know, basically one equals one in that scenario, whereas how you just mentioned, you're completely separating these two that you are, what you were able to do is completely different from, from how the day may or may not have met certain expectations that you'd had.
1: Absolutely. And I think like, and I, like, I I haven't always been that way, (laughs) like by no means at all. That's not something that comes naturally to me at all. Um, but I think You know, and I was just reflecting the past week, you know, on the race and, you know, my mindset and things like that. Um, I actually thought back to, you know, some of the like toughest points in my life that I've had really had to, you know, just stay positive and not like let one bad day or an incident or something like that just totally unravel me. Um, And I thought back to my time in residency, um, you know, when Mitchell and I were living in the Detroit area. That was a really, really tough time for me. And I think it took me a while to really even admit that it was a tough time. Um, You know, it ended up not really being exactly how I anticipated it. Um, You know, very similar to a race, you know, not going how you anticipated it. Um, But what I really focused on um, during those kind of rough years was that just stay in the middle. Let everything roll off your back. You know, something goes wrong. Let it go. If something goes really great, that's awesome. Acknowledge it, but then let it go. And you have to keep moving forward. And, you know, one success, one mistake, none of them really define you. Um, and as long as you keep moving forward and you move through it, you know, the the times that you thought, you know, at the time were just horrible or, you know, you just weren't happy, they're, they're kind of over before you know it because you just kept moving forward through it. Um, I don't know. And so I I definitely had that on my mind. Um and I kind of went back to that um I don't know, kind of troubleshooting um during that race. Um and after it too, you know.
0: Yeah, and we also have to be honest here, you it was still a PR for you, which I think yeah, shows definitely. not only <laughs> how fit you were, but also how far you've come in a very short amount of time.
1: Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Um yeah, I, I mean I would be remiss to say I mean it's incredible that I can be disappointed in a day where I came up with an 11 minute PR for sure. So and I have no, you know, I'm definitely so grateful for that. Um you know, on a really honestly a really bad day for me, um you know, out on a race course, um I you know, I can still do that <laughs> and I'm very grateful for that.
0: And you know, just a few days after that, or maybe it was even the next day, you were out there like volunteering at an at an ultra or a, a trail race. Yeah. Like what what was it like for you? Um, you know, either you know wh- what decisions did you make consciously to kind of like rebound and recover from indie, You know, physically, mentally, and emotionally. And what were just some of the things that maybe serendipitously had a positive effect on you? Because right now, and even in the way you wrote about it, it was like you know, the, the picture of equanimity in return in regards to your ability to reflect on how it went.
1: Yeah. You know, I think a lot of that is just being comfortable, um, in my own skin, um, and, and being confident too. You know, I felt like maybe if this were a couple of years ago, you know, in this same scenario, it happened after, you know, me putting a, a big goal out there, um, you know, I, I received a lot of messages, you know, and comments and things like that. And I'm so appreciative of all the support. You know, it just means the world to me. Um, but, you know, with that being said, too, certainly everyone has their different opinions, you know, about maybe my training or things like that or or the goals that I've set. Um, you know, and I, I, I heard, you know, different things like, oh, you know, it's OK. This is this is just your fitness, you know, where it is like you should be grateful for it. Well, if it had been a couple of years ago, you know, and and there's no malice meant by those statements at all. I, I'm positive of that. But if this were a couple of years ago and I had read something like that, if I probably would have let it like break me, thinking like, no, it that you know, that's not my fitness. You know, I I ran long runs faster than that. You know, than what I ran out there. Like I, you know, I know that's not you know my my best day. Um, but it's just one of those things where I know that and that's the only, you know, and me and my coach, you know, are really the only people that need to know that. Um, And I don't know, I just, I made sure to just kind of booty myself to, um, you know, my Mitchell was running a 50k uh, the following weekend, I'd already signed up to volunteer at that, um, you know, a month ago. Um, And I just kind of immersed myself in all of the things that I love about this sport, Um, instead of, you know, Wallowing in a, a bad race day that I had, um, I don't know. It's just there are so many, and I, I think I posted this, but there are so many ways to enjoy, you know, something that you're passionate about, and it doesn't always have to be you lacing up at a starting line and running the race of your life. Um, and I think that's important to remember, and it's an important, it's an important step um, that I think everyone should, you know, at some point um, be able to take a step back from um, and realize. Um, because there's so much to enjoy, you know, it, and it doesn't always have to be running the race of your life.
0: And I think one, one aspect of this kind of duality that you're describing that I think a lot of people, especially like type A, really competitive folk or people who kind of come to running from other sports, like spe- specifically ball sports, which can be, you know, very competitive where there's a winner and a loser, um, whereas you don't necessarily have that in running is. This fear that if someone is going to approach their running and training and racing with this, hey, like, this is not the end of the world, that that sort yeah. of that 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 mindset can potentially also be the reason that they don't reach their goals. Like, oh, does it mean that I'm taking this seriously enough that maybe I'm giving myself a way out or I'm giving myself a back door or I'm, or I'm basically giving myself a, hey, if this doesn't happen type of excuse before I even start. And I know for myself that that has been you know, a difficult thing to come to grips with on occasion, even when I see myself holding things too tightly.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like I, I definitely, I, I totally see what you're saying. Um, and I feel like a part of it, um, for me, at least personally, it might be because I don't have a background in running. Um, you know, I, I didn't run in high school, didn't run collegiately. Um, I don't even know how to get into like blocks. (laughs) Like I, you know, it's, and I'm still, you know, I'm, it doesn't come naturally to me, like a 400 meter split, you know, a 200 meter split. I still, I still have to kind of hesitate and do the math, um, in my head, like for track workouts and things like that. Um, and maybe it's because like, I kind of feel like I have nothing to lose, but everything to gain. Um, you know, I haven't been like throwed really hard by a coach, you know, um, it's, I mean, while definitely I'm not just, you know, running for the, you know, I def- I'm definitely am running for fun, but, you know, I'm also, I do have, you know, competitive time goals too. Um, but maybe it's because there wasn't so much pressure put on me, you know, earlier on in my life in the sport that I, I kind of approach it that way. I don't know. Uh, that's a good point that you made though.
0: All right. So let's talk about what's going to happen in the short and long term. So you have obviously some sort of recovery planned, I'm sure with, you know, you and Heather and how you're going to approach November and then come through the holidays. What exactly do the next couple of weeks you know, look like and how does that connect to what your winter plans will be from a from a running and training and racing standpoint?
1: Yeah. So, um, I did take a full week off of running, um, immediately after the race. And, uh, I, I'm really glad that I did. Um, it, and, I had mentioned this to Heather before. It's not like I was like, like, oh, I can't wait for post indie so I can be a couch potato because I'm exhausted. It wasn't really like that. It's just, and I, you know, and I didn't feel like just so mentally burnt out either. But it was nice just to relax, you know, and not really be frantic about getting back to it. Um, just not rushing through things, um, you know, just be- because I had a, you know, an off day, you know, and didn't hit the goal. Um, so that was really nice. I enjoyed that, um, those seven days off. Um, so I've been, uh, running for the past uh, few days. Everything feels good. Um, you know, I'm not running more than an hour at a time, um, for this week. Uh, so I think I'll probably get up to maybe 55, 60 miles or so. Um, you know, and that's not, I realize that's probably not typical for, you know, two weeks out after a full marathon. Uh, but I do have a large, you know, years of, you know, a, a heavy mileage base um, and I'm, I'm not injured at all. So, uh, you know, that it's, it's pretty reasonable um, for me to get up to that uh, sort of mileage this week. Um, next week, I'll probably get back into workouts, um, you know, and kind of build, build my mileage up to where it was, um, you know, training for Indy. And really, I'm just, you know, just kind of taking things day by day. Um, Like I said, I'm not really looking to rush into, um, you know, another immediate race plan or something like that. Um, And I know you had mentioned before, you know, it, it is tough. You know, there's a line drawn in the sand. There's a deadline. You know, there's a specific time that needs to be ran. But, you know, at the same time, like there is and there isn't, you know, um, Whatever happens, it's it's gonna happen. Um, you know i'm I'm willing to work, you know my hardest, you know to continue to to get the best out of myself um, in the remaining time that we have. But I'm not gonna force anything either. you know, I'm just gonna take it day by day, week by week. Um, and when you zoom out, it's you know it's not like twenty twenty is the only you know cycle. And with that being said, too, you know, my goals aren't, you know, just solely focused on, you know, running um, a competitive road marathon time. I'm I'm definitely very excited uh, about, you know, potentially getting back to the trails next year. Um, I've never really had, you know, this much speed on my legs, um, you know, going into trail racing and things like that Not to say by any means that I'm, you know, a huge speedster. (laughs) I just mean that I literally wasn't doing any speed work um, before uh, in the years prior uh, when I was out on the trails. Um, Yeah. So I'm not really closing any doors at all. Um, I'm just taking it uh, week by week,
0: really. All right. No, I mean, well, let me first address the whole speed thing. Obviously you have some serious speed, dude. We've already talked about, you know, what you did at wine glass and the 10 K and all the racing and training you've done. (laughs) I
1: appreciate that, but I didn't also want to come off like, Oh, I've, I've never had this much speed before. Um, I just mean that like, seriously, I wasn't doing any speed work at all. So, um, I'm, yeah, I'm excited, you know, to diversify things. Um, Yeah, and I, you know, I'm not ruling out anything either. Um, But yeah, I just, you know, I, I know there's a timeline, you know, and everyone's kind of rushing around to hit it. But um, I don't know. I just want to continue to enjoy myself, um, you know, and and focus on why I'm doing this. And it's not for an end result, um, you know, or for a specific time, even though that is a goal. Um, But I'm doing this because I, I truly enjoy it, Um, and it brings me happiness in my life. So.
0: And what you just said, and you've said you know, similar things throughout our conversation tonight, is exactly why I was so excited to chat with you um, for this episode, is that this mindset and approach that you have taken is, um, is just enviable for me personally, and I can take a lot from it. So I really appreciate you being open and honest about all of this in a way um, that is, you know, embracing both sides of this and, you know, not trying to like hide your goals, but at the same time, also not trying to hide your ability to, you know, to, to, to work through, you know, how your, how your expectations were not met, but also how that isn't necessarily the worst thing in the world either.
1: Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, You know, and like I said, I, It has taken me a very long time to get to this point. Um, You know, like I said earlier, it definitely does not come naturally to me, and I don't think it does for anyone. Um, But you know, the I I just I just have to be so grateful to you know the point that I am because seriously, Matt. Like my first marathon, I ran a four hour and sixteen minute marathon, and that is nothing to scoff about in by any means. But I mean, I I never thought in a million years that I could bring my marathon time down to start with it too. Like I, I never thought that,
0: um, No, next fall you're gonna be running, you're gonna be running a trail 50 K in that time.
1: (laughs) That would be really cool. And probably some (laughs) sort of record I would think.
0: (laughs) Well, Steph, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for everything you said. This has really been so enlightening in a lot of ways. And I really appreciate how open and honest you've been this whole time.
1: Absolutely, no, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate you um, you know, sharing my story with everyone, um, and I appreciate the support that I've received as well.
0: Thank you so much for coming back on the show, Stephanie. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, and never more so in this conversation. I'm still in awe uh, of all things that came out in this conversation. She is just such an amazing, wonderful person. Thank you so much for coming on the show, and thank you, the listeners for rating, reviewing, sharing the show especially when you do it on Apple Podcasts and when you share it on Instagram, it really warms my heart. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. So with all that being said, have a great day and happy running. This has been a production of the Rambling Runner Podcast Network. Thank you to my producer, David Margetti from InPost Media. Also thank you to MetaP for the music and his song Evolution.
1: Sheep. Pressing is deep. I'm a real person. Real version.